And good morning. Good morning. Oh my god, Jay. It's been too long. It has been. They've been they've been clamoring for another one. Guys, you know we've tried to do this a couple times and life has just gotten in the way. So So here we sorry, are. Here we are. On Saturday morning, six fifty two AM. What better things to do than talk about fantasy baseball, Jay? Absolutely nothing. So there are fantasy baseball advocates in the house. Uh, gosh, guys, we are a third of the way into the year. And so we've got a, a really good show for you guys set up here. Uh, we pulled some rankings of how players have performed hitters and pitchers uh, up till now compared to where they were being ranked preseason in a we we've got some good data to go off of so um start the show jay and i would like to introduce a little bit about ourselves as we spin off more of these podcasts our hope is that you know we can get some followers from outside the home league that we play in uh so a little bit about myself is i'm 39 years old i'm Married with two girls. I'm a nurse. That's something Jay and I have in common. Um, I uh, I came to love fantasy baseball um, in my early to mid twenties. I've been playing this for sixteen years now. Um, I I love it with a passion. It's a hobby. Uh, I I got to tell you, um, the the game has grown so much. That each year I'm like wrapping my head around any kind of data I can get to to better myself. Uh, so, so as we spin these podcasts, I'd like you to know that um, we all come from different backgrounds and walks of life, and and it's kind of kind of cool for you guys to know just a little bit about who you're listening to. So, Jay, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Uh... Also 39 years old, 5'8", 187, <laughs> and uh, I am also a nurse in a hospital, and yes, we have that in common. I've been a nurse since uh, 2016. Um, I also have a wife, I have a 12-year-old daughter, 5-year-old son, and so we're both family guys too. Um, and uh, yeah, I've been playing the game of fantasy baseball since 2007, and uh Similar to Jason, you know, I I have um, obsessed over it for many years, and um, I the way I look at roster construction, the way I look at uh, players, um, and just the the baseball fantasy baseball landscape, uh, you know, it's never stopped. The learning and growing has never stopped. And uh, today we're gonna share, you know, some of the some of the wisdom that that I've learned from my mentors in, in fantasy baseball. I've got some people that, you know, came alongside me and took me under their wing a little bit, uh, and brought me up. And so I'm excited about sharing a little bit of that because I mean, this is really, these are some of the, these are like golden nuggets here. I'm a little sad today that I might share, you know, some of these winning strategies and, and, move these other guys ahead well jay you know we we got people out there people out there they're just learning about the game of fantasy right baseball. this is for you guys not for the other guys in my league this they, is for all you strangers out there these people they they, they may they may they may not know <laughs> some of the tips okay so let, let's be frank to start off look jay and i um we most of our expertise comes to, from playing in head-to-head category leagues, so we know a little bit about roto, very similar, uh, but these are head-to-head leagues. And again, I, I say this with the caveat: the data that we give you a lot of may be different in other leagues depending on the format you play in. However, our expertise, our experience is coming from playing in deep leagues. So some of the information we share on this show, if you're playing at a standard 12-teamer or a 10-teamer, you might want to disregard a lot of it because we're going to be talking about players who, in some of those leagues, weren't drafted and maybe were just available to be picked up on the wire. Um, these guys in this league, I mean, in this league, we got to look 
at every stone to be able to leave no stones unturned to try to get an edge. So with that all aside, let's get started. Uh, Some winning strategies in this league, you've really got to think differently. So like something I noticed is a lot of times people can do a stars and scrubs. Uh, Basically that comes kind of hard the deeper the league you play in. Um, also, some people like to have a, a well-balanced roster with hitting and pitching. That can go for any format. But what I found to be very beneficial in our format is to really lean heavily on one side of the ball or the other and then just try to be slightly above average on the other side. So, Jay, I, I know, historically speaking, you've leaned more hitter-heavy, and I would say, historically speaking, I'd probably lean more into pitcher. So I'm going to kind of give you give you some a segue here to talk about your, your winning strategies, specifically with regards to hitting. Yeah, so uh, basically... Um you know there there is in uh, there's a hierarchy right and the hierarchy goes hitting starting pitching and relieving pitching so in some ways looking at things in terms of that is a is a strategy in and of itself so um yes that's true i've always i think leaned heavily on hitting um, I've always been kind of the Colorado Rockies of my league, right? Just never had the, the pitching. And, uh, when I did, I did very well, you know, and, and I've gotten better at that over the years, but in terms of hitters, um, and keep in mind, uh, that we use OPS in our league. Um, and that's a very important stat for our league. I think it says a lot about what are those, for those who may not know, now OPS to some is kind of an ancient stat, which is crazy to think of with the the years that we spent it. I remember seeing it for the first time being like, what is that? Can you kind of explain what goes into OPS? What- well, OPS is your on-base percentage plus slugging percentage. So uh, really, it's a very important stat for our league. And how does it translate <coughs> to success in our league? Well... Everything that goes into being a great and powerful hitter, it goes into OPS, right? You've got your on-base skills, your ability to take walks, to hit extra base hits. I mean, that to me, it's everything that, that makes a, a great and powerful hitter, right, um, in, in some ways. And it, it feeds into every other stat. If you're hitting extra base hits, you're, you're producing counting stats, and you have a better OPS, it basically gives you... If you're a you, patient hitter. Yeah, I've noticed over the years, OPS basically gives you a good all-around image of, of the hitter themselves. So if they're more of a uh, contact hitter with uh, less power, you know, if they're just average in the power department, but maybe they excel in the contact, they can still have a decent OPS. And so in other words, what I'm trying to get at is you don't have to be a monster slugger to have a good OPS. It really equates, like you said, for for taking walks, for getting base hits. Right. Even if you are getting a base knock and you move the runner from first to third or, or sack flies, you know, yeah, all big parts of the game, those do contribute to OPS in ways that back in the day when you just standard look at a guy's average, you wouldn't see it on paper. Yeah, for me, it's it's a part and parcel in how I evaluate a hitter. So, And that leads me into um, one big winning strategy for me, which is when you're looking at hitters, you are looking for hitters who can contribute in all categories. All categories, engaging players by that standard and not. So what you're doing when you do that is you are not punting any one stat, right? And that is an important part of being winning team is uh, if you can help it, never punt any stat in your league, right? If you want to make a conscious choice to punt one stat or another, right, then you can do that. And um, 
So, and I feel like I've had success, you know, with, with these strategies in the past when it's worked. Um, and this might seem quite obvious when you think about it, right? If you look at the cream of the crop, you look at the very best players in fantasy baseball, they have everything and they have the stolen base potential, right? But, you know, like some other individual stats, stolen bases can be isolated, okay? You can find somebody to help you contribute in, in stolen bases. And you can find, like you just referred to, people that might be uh, have a very good batting average and score runs, right? And maybe that gets them at the front of their lineup on their team. And that's great that they can contribute to one, two, maybe three stats. But... If you focus on getting hitters who can contribute in every stat, your need for those one, two category players should be lessened. I I will say one of the oldest and easiest tricks in the book, and this goes without saying for anything, but like if you hit a home run, you get in a run, a hit, a home run, at least one RBI. Yes. And... Uh, you're getting points in the average and OPS. So, yeah, those tend to be pretty helpful yeah. in fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yes, the power hitters. <laughs> God, do you th- I know we're breaking script here, but it just popped in my head. Do you think there was ever a better fantasy baseball player than Barry Bonds? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, chasing power <laughs> is, uh, you know, chasing power is one of the old, you know, um, you know, it can be a trap. Yeah, but, but that that's but power that's unforeseen. Right, seen. That, that who who's had that kind of power in the last twenty years? Yeah, that's done it for a full season. Well, I'm and like, to go back to OPS, you're talking about a guy who skilled hitter on base and had speed, and then comes the power. Right, so you have every you had everything else already, right. You had the ability to get on base, to take walks, to steal bases, and, and all of that. I mean, I know he wasn't stealing bases. He was <laughs> but, stealing bases in the 90s. Yeah, he, he wasn't was. stealing bases in the them. early 2000s. No, he wasn't. <laughs> but right. again, that would be stolen bases would be the first thing to go, right? Let's take stolen bases out of it. Look at every other stat. And it's basically the strategy that I'm describing. That they, they still can contribute in every other stat. I like that you're hitting on this, Jay. So while we're on the hitting side, not to talk too much about this, um, I noticed that, well, in our home league, not to be specific to any league, but we do play in a in the same league together. So so I have, and Jay is also. We've had bird's eye views how the the others construct their rosters over the years, but you've tended over the years to do. And I don't know if you've done this on purpose, but you really tended to do a stars and scrubs approach. And before I ask you about this, I do want to make this a segue into talking about some of the early season successes and failures. So I've noticed that if you do a stars and scrubs approach, i.e. if you, through drafting or trading, acquire um, multiple top five, top 10, top 20 uh, type hitters and then just use like lesser value hitters to pick up maybe for a couple of, to to buffer staff, but most of your beef is in those hitters. When those hitters fail, that team really, really disappoints. Yeah, that's the downside. I mean, and I think what what you're seeing and what you're describing is, it's the evolution of, you know, we we've trade we can trade draft picks in our league, okay? And part of what has happened is um over the last several seasons if like say for example, last year I was um quote unquote tanking what's called, okay, I don't like that word. Oh, man. Um, well, I'm you a just, little you, you know you um, used to tank your word. Uh, but it never you know right. I mean he, did I think that's what I was doing exactly? No, but I was in denial. Okay, but the, but the point is that, you know, <clears throat> I traded for a lot of high draft picks, and basically there was a lot of, uh, there was only a few picks that I had in the middle of the draft. No, wait, Jay, and before then, you go on, I think you're leaving something out. So you're talking about how you, quote, unquote, 
tang. Well, what I'm talking for, about is trading for high draft picks, and the middle why? of the draft was sort of neglected. It was on purpose. It was done intentionally. But what I'm saying is, this is a year-to-year process. Why would anybody do that and not want to win? It, it's because you won two years ago, right? Yes. So in this essence, you kind of sold out to win and what you were left with the next year, the cupboard was kind of bare and you had yes. to restock. And it yes. was either be average for multiple years or... This is true. Mail yeah. it in so you could be excellent in the next year. Right? That's yeah. the goal? Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not working out yet, but yeah, that's oh, okay. the goal. Yeah, that's all right. Well, let's talk about some of these hitters before we get into pitching. Let's talk about some of these hitters, early season hitters that have been surprises. So uh, we're using Yahoo's format here, um, and this is uh, these rankings are specific to our home league, but they're you know these hitters have been successful in all formats. So we're gonna just hit on a few of these guys. Um, let's talk about. We got Juan Franco, Josh Lowe, Yandy Diaz, Masataka Yoshida, and Nolan Corman. Now, I'm highlighting these because they pop up as hitters who some of them were top 100 to top 150 preseason players that are giving us top 20 value right now. Some of them were outside the top 200 and are giving us top 50 value now. So we're, I granted, we're only a third of the way in the year. We have enough data to, to make, to look at trends to see if this is something that can possibly carry over. Um, obviously, I, I do want to say with the caveat, three of these are raised. So it looks to be, you know, that hint, hint, the deeper the league you are in, the more you might want to watch out for players who play for winning teams. And we'll get into that with pitching here in a minute. Um, But I'm curious to see what you think. Because, again, I'm deferring a lot of the hitting to you, Jay. Rest of season, I would say, let's take Wander Franco out of this. Because I think you and I both know we we loved Wander Franco for a long time. I'm not shocked at all that he's performing the way he's performing. I think people buried him too deep and you know he's still like in his way early 20s so yeah why you know what yeah. is the explanation why did he why was the adp you know almost 100 <laughs> there's what, in, injuries we're um, not just a, a little bit of spotty performance really with small sample sizes yeah. between injuries you know just things that that's really, I think, the only explanation for so it. The the manager in our home league has been is one of the managers that runs the league, and he's been in this for a very long time. Very smart, shrewd move on his part to to draft him because you and I are both kicking ourselves right yes, now for yes, not drafting yes, this yes. man. We, Wonderful. We had we both had the chance. Both to had draft the chance, him and we didn't. So hats <laughs> off to this guy. Anyway, and I'm sure there's a lot of people in a lot of these leagues that right that made that choice. So let's not to be too hard on ourselves. Enjoy the Wonder Frank ride. I have a feeling that he's going to be a fantasy mainstay for years to come. But let's focus on the other four hitters because these guys, these guys were on people's radar. But I don't think a lot of people thought that they're going to perform like they did. So specifically. Josh Lowe, Yanni Diaz, Masataki Yoshida, and Nolan Gorman. Jay, to to kind of like make this short and sweet, give me your rest of season ranking for all four of those hitters. I.e., who do you think is going to keep producing? Like, and who do you think has just maybe done some early season success but is going to fall off? Um. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna give Masataka Yoshida the benefit of the doubt here and say, you know, that he he's a seasoned professional athlete who has now arrived right in the MLB on the Boston Red Sox, and um, I like him to uh, keep his batting average up 
to keep that OPS up. And so, you know, I, I think in terms of consistency, I actually, you know, it's, it, I'm a little shocked that I'm saying this about someone who's maybe the newest to the MLB, but I think that I like his chances of continuing to consistently contribute to fantasy lineups. Left field is a hard position to field. Um, I know, I think Josh Lowe is still eligible all over the outfield. Correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but... Sorry, not to interrupt, Jay. For those of you wondering, a lot of formats just have OF, outfield eligibility. Um, some formats actually make you put the player in the actual position they play. So, if, for example, what Jay's saying is if you play in a league such as the league that we play in where you have to put an outfielder where they play like left field, right field, or center field, they're not eligible at all. Not all of them are eligible, all three outfield spots. Um, left field does tend to get kind of tricky once you get past the cream of the crop. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah so uh, he, he's he's on top of that list. I like him to continue to consistently um, produce. And, you know, we didn't uh, – the Boston Red Sox have had some success, right, on offense and, well, on both sides of the ball that – Really wasn't probably expected. It was kind of, uh, you know, I don't want to say came out of nowhere. It didn't come out of nowhere. It's just that so, there there was some mixed results at first, and then, you know, they found some success. So um, so in those four, you're ranking your sheet of first. Yeah. And then wow. I'm, I'm going Josh Lowe. Um, Josh Lowe is, you know, the way I think about him right now is he's the perfect um, – I mean, let's call him a post-hype prospect, okay? He's not really a prospect anymore, but, you know, I am so tired of prospects, real prospects, because they don't help my team at all. So, Jay, you know, I am so over prospects. Uh, I'm, I'm not bitter about it, you can tell, guys. But, you know, I wait on these guys, and then they don't help my team at all, right? And I just have to let them go, and then they go out into the – the fantasy maybe. either maybe never to come back to my team if you know if they do start to produce but but Josh Lowe he's been there now he's he's providing some you know value on fantasy rosters he's contributing like I said I think still eligible all over the outfield am I right he is um and so you know I've he's second on my list because he's sort of finally arrived let's say and um, there's no more uh, waiting, right? You know, it's, he, he's helping your team now, and so, you know, hang on to him. Okay, so you got Yoshida first, Josh Lowe second. The other two, we got Yandy Diaz and Noah Gorman. Let, let's pick this quick. Like, where are they, third and fourth? I, I'm taking Nolan Gorman third just because the, the power potential um, – you think is where he's eligible? Yeah, the average is. I don't have high hopes for it, right? I think there's going to be some some struggles there. There's going to be ups and downs. Um, there's going to be whatever. Let's call them streaks. I'm not going to call him streaky, but what I'm saying is, if you're ending, if you're going to end the season with you know two forty something average, there's going to be some ups and downs. There's going to be some offers. There's going to be some bad days. Let's call them. So I, I like him better than Diaz because the power potential, just the kind of dynamic potential that we are talking about in terms of contributing in all categories. Um, I love Yandy Diaz. I love the batting average. I love the skill, the on-base skills. Um, I, will, I will say, I think you got in the bottom of this Frank Sparkle. I, I do feel like... Yanni Diaz is a better real-life player than fantasy player. And this yes. is the first year I felt like, oh, my gosh, he's providing fantasy value. Uh, take advantage of the ride while you can. I'm not so sure it's going to keep up fantasy-wise. He has always hit the going. ball so hard, right? And that he was part of his He hits it profile. right into the ground. Well, that yes. was his issue. I mean, that was, that was his issue, I think, was always his issue was getting him to hit fly balls, right? He's yes. always hit the ball very hard. Uh-huh. But... And and that was always the you know pr- the prospect view of him was like can we develop this home run you know well, hitting I is... I don't want to say my worry he's doing great even when he's not yeah. producing fancy numbers he's a great baseball player it's like should but, anyone really have ever expected that no. it's good that he hits the ball hard that's always good yeah it is you my know. thing with him is I think a lot of his value this year so far is definitely related to team contact. Okay. Yes. So, 
So fine, you guys, Yanni Diaz goes and finishes top 25, top 50. You guys can all come to me and, you know, I'll I'll eat crow on it. But I, I think he's going to drop off in the fantasy world. Just be, just as that hot, hot, hot American League East race heats up, uh, I don't think the Rays are going to keep up the torrid pace that they've been on. I do think that they're going to make the playoff and they may yeah. win that division. I just don't think the numbers that a lot of those hitters have been putting up <laughs> this year are going to continue on the same level. And I think he'll be one. Let's, let's talk a little about pitching. Um, <clears throat> um, pitching. Oh, yeah, yeah, pitching. Okay, so... Jay, I've noticed, you know, we've over the years, we've had strategies. You'd go pocket aces. That's a big strategy in a lot of formats. Uh, but I've also noticed the D and so, some people just uh, go hitter heavy and then get, you know, two or three top closers and they just, you know, churn and burn through their starting pitchers and just take anything that's credible and they make it work. But I will say the deeper the league you play in, I've learned this the hard way, the more it helps to have volume. And I really feel like volume, even in hitting, but specifically in pitching, is very beneficial the deeper the league you play in. Why? Because... Even if you don't have the cream in the crop, five quality starters are most likely going to overcome three elite starters most weeks, given the opportunity. Now, why is this important? You can get volume all throughout your draft and on the wire. And this is what I'm going to where I'm going to lean into, like, okay, so we, we've we been playing this game for 16 years. We are not experts. We are amateur experts hoping to be better. Now, we lean into a lot of data and stats given to us from credible sources. I will say I lean heavily into pitcher list in the last couple of years. I lean heavily into listening to the CBS Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Um, I I try to get information in the offseason from so many different sources. Fan tracks is one of them. Um, fan graphs. All of these sort of platforms have great expert advice. And sometimes... Oh, and then have you ever seen the... Um, uh, oh my gosh. It's... it's the words are not are leaving my mouth. Um, the steamer projections before the season starts, and then also Ariel Cohen's. Um, I look numbers. at projections a lot. I mean, I look at the compilations of them. Yeah, I mean, it tells you something for sure. It does. So those um, are numbers that are given to us by experts early on. But I, what I found to be helpful is to use those. As like a guideline to say, okay, these guys should be on your radar. And then throughout the season, you have to hone in on a few of them. Because let's be honest, we're family people. Most of us don't have enough time to consume enough fantasy baseball knowledge to really not miss. You're going you're gonna to hit on some and you're going to miss on some. So sure. what I'm getting at is if you've got a pitcher... Who can play on a winning team, hint, hint, pitchers on winning teams, they're more than likely going to acquire wins, which is a team stat. You can have the best pitchers in the world, but win, a win is a team stat. And if the, his defense doesn't back him up, or if he gives up a little bit and the other pitch is better, he's not getting the win. So... You can steal wins by getting pitchers who just play on really good teams, even if they're just quality middle-of-the-rotation pitchers. The deeper the league you play in, the more valuable those guys become. I've come to find that there's, and every league is different, but 
there comes a point where you realize you need X amount of starting pitching to really help get through the year. I unfortunately, a couple of years ago, went all in and I thought I had it. And my biggest shortfall wasn't the hitters I acquired. It was the fact that I had Garrett Cole as my ace and my second best pitcher after, oh, we're not going to talk about Trevor Bowers. But anyway, <laughs> after after what he pulled, uh, and he was very quickly jettisoned off my team after that, was uh, Marco Gonzalez. I mean, in a deep league, it could be really scary. If, so you need to have young pitchers, veterans who may be underdrafted. You need to have these guys on your radar. And I've learned from these credible sources that the time to pick them up and to let them shine is April and May. Because if you wait until June or after to to start building your staff for the stretch run, you've waited too long. And I've learned this the hard way by playing, and I've learned this by looking at advice. What I found is that in April and May, you have to have maybe three starters you drafted that you're going to keep, but you are just churning and burning. That's the quote. Nick Pollock from Pitcher List, but some other people too. You're going through pitchers on the bottom. Let's face it, we're always going to shuffle up the bottom third of our roster, right? Yes. Especially in a deep league. So uh, some people are really good drafters. So it may just be the bottom fifth. But anyway, you're going to be shuffling through players. You've got to find those pitchers in April and May. And you're going to find pitchers. Every year, historically, that are ranked 250 or beyond that have potential Cy Young season or at least potential league winning season because they perform way above their average projected value to start the year. And then you kind of, I've learned, after you've got that settled, you've got to make sure you have enough depth. Then you start working on your bench and you do that um in and basically June. And the hope is that by the time July rolls around and we're about mid season, you've got your stable of pitchers and your bench. So then all you're doing is is um waiting up injury. Yeah. You know, and just managing your roster at that point. And continue to watch, you know, because you know, August, September you get those call up. But now with the new rules promoting call-ups early, these prospects are coming up earlier than they used to. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm going to go offline here, and I'm still disappointed in the Baltimore Orioles for not calling up Jordan Westberg. I totally feel like there's a little bit of super two manipulation going on there, but that's just my opinion. I'm sure it's some other people's opinions too, but we'll get to that. Yeah, I mean, um, the time is now for the Orioles, right? Yes. <clears throat> Maybe that's why they haven't called him up because they won all this kind of, but I just, right. I, I can't get past keep, keep people Jorge Materia hitting sub 200 and then Cedric Mullins gets hurt and you easily have an opening to add a top prospect who's hitting amazing. Right. I'm sorry, guys. I'm going off on a tangent here. Yes, I'm the proud owner of Jordan oh, Westbury. We, we could talk about stuff like that all but, day. I mean. Yeah, but we can't do that for this show. So for the contact, to, to make my point, to drive my point home, is volume and starting pitching in deep league is so imperative. And you need to look to acquire three to four starters in April and May who are performing because those are the guys that are going to win your leagues in the end. And you also need to make sure that you have enough starting pitchers to when you get hurt, when your guys get hurt, you're not, A, you're not back down to the level playing field the rest of your league. Because injuries are going to happen. So that's why I say volume. But you don't want the volume in the sense of, I've got three good pitchers, and I'm streaming pitchers every day. That's not the volume you want. So 
I, I think I've talked enough about this. Um, there's something to be said for winning strategies in deep leagues on the hitting side and on the pitching side. Uh, you've you've hit on so many things. Yes, I have. Is there a few things that you wanted to? Yes, I agree with you pretty much completely. I mean, you hit on you you've you've hit on a couple things, which is like having a complete and balanced roster on week one and having a functioning rotation. It is a strategy, and it, it it's a it's a I think it could be a winning strategy. Um, I think that, you know, a few years ago when I won it all, part of why I did so well throughout the regular season was because I started the season with a bunch of guys like uh, Hyunjin Ryu, Kyle Hendricks, who who provided consistently for me um, starting pitching stats throughout the most of the season, the vast majority of the season. Now, they weren't there for me down the stretch. And that's another point you you basically brought up that, you know, you need guys to contribute early. And many times the guys who get you there to the playoffs are not the guys who will win you the championship. And you have to keep churning and burning, as you say. You know, you have to keep getting um, contributions from people. And so if your roster has gone stale, you've got to wake up. You've got to make moves. And you've got to, you know, and you, you, um, you know, you hit on uh, playing for good winning teams, and that is, you know, if you're going to chase wins, right? Let's call it chasing. Let's say I'm looking for, I need wins and I need strikeouts. Well, um, yes, you should probably look for guys on good teams because I don't know how else to tell you to chase wins other than just looking at guys who consistently have quality starts, right, and wins. They can go deep into games. Marco Gonzalez, you mentioned that game, or name, you know, quality start machine. Not right? this year. When he's running the last, Not like, this year. Three Soft years. Soft tossing, right? The strikeout. Way, I'm sorry, you, you brought out the, the segue. Anybody in deep, deep, deep league, because I know the name, Brian Wu, he's making his debut today. Um, I He... Uh, the Seattle Mariners have aggressively promoted their young pitchers, and I'm so excited. Not a Mariners fan here, but I guess I am this year. I got, uh, oh my God, I, I, I can't even, like, I, I'm so excited to see how some of this stuff goes, you know. Um, and, you know, pitchers who contribute in all categories is it essentially the same philosophy you know at the top of my rotation i've got guys who can basically their peripheral their era and whip are good they can provide you wins and quality starts they basically contribute all over the board you have hit on the fact that the trend now is i feel more starting pitching volume is very important right now over the last few years we have seen the um, emergence of great relievers with great peripherals, great ERA, great whip, strikeouts, high strikeout rates. Those guys became extremely valuable. Extremely but they're not important. all traditional closers. No, they're either. not. But that also means that in we we play in a saves and holds league, so those guys can get you wins, they can get you holds, they can get you saves, and they have great. Ratios. Uh, ratios. So you're they're contributing in almost every category, right? We're just leaving uh, quality starts out, basically. So, but yeah, but you are for right those in, of you who don't know, like we also play in a quality start league, so right. it's kind of an archaic stat. I enjoy it, but the the traditional you your starting pitcher starts the game and pitches six innings of three runs, three earned runs or less, which really isn't asking a whole lot. But it, it kind of, you know... It's a threshold now it, that threshold most people that don't go yeah, over exactly. six. Pitching six innings now is, I mean, you know, if you... And even going into the MLB playoffs, if you got a guy who can get you six innings, you are not going to see very many starting pitchers go past six innings, even in, like, you know, the, the biggest stage, right? So... so Okay, so we talked about a lot of strategies here, hitting and pitching. Um, kind of, kind of put a little wrap on today's show. 
for our home league purposes, I I, I want to give a shout out to a couple of owners so far this year. I'm, I'm not giving you an award. I'm giving you a pat on the back for for where you're at. Uh, but but let let's give it up for Redbird. Redbird Nation has earned some earned some props. This guy uh, came into the league. He played in a, a public league with me for for a while, and he came in the league a couple of years ago. And uh, oh my gosh, he's built an incredible offense through patience of trades, and he has a very good pitching staff that I feel like it's underrated. He's definitely got some volume. But, I mean, when I look at his team, he's got, he drafted Acuna. He's got um, Luis Robert. He's got Eloy Jimenez. And he's just got Randy Arozarena. Yeah. So, his his across the outfield and in his DH is so, <laughs> like, powerful. Yeah. And then you yeah. look at Nolan Gorman's exceeding expectations to second base. Now, he's got the potential for some fall off there, but he's done really well for himself, and I've, I've got to give him props. Like, he's built an offense that's looking very scary, one that I don't want to, but I've got to face three times yeah. down the stretch run. Uh, how about you, Jay? Do you want to give props to anybody in the league? I mean, to go back to your division, let's look at 108 stitches. What's his regular season record going into this week? 71 and 49. Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if he can keep this up, but what he's doing right now is great. So, And he's got, uh, right now he's got Jazz Chisholm and uh, Tyro Estrada on the on the IL, so I mean, if he can get his guys healthy, he can uh, keep this up, you know, and maybe maybe uh, make the playoffs and and try to get a top four finish. Last year, he was all about the side pots, and I think now he's he's in it to win it. And I did I I don't I can't remember if I called him a contender or pretender at the beginning of the season, but. Right now, he's contending for, for the division with you guys, so Stitches, props to him. Stitches is doing a really, really good job um, all around, hitting and pitching. I, this division is going to be so hard, and, you know, I got to – unfortunately, those two teams we just talked about, and I've got to play gets back quite a few to, times. You know? If yeah, see, Xander that's the Bogart's thing for a lot of teams. We're a third level. of the way into the year. So like, there's people above expectations and people below expectations. So yeah. we should do another trade. I'm uh, sorry, another trade. I trade a lot. <laughs> you do too, Jay. So we should do another show. Uh, where I we trade talk a lot about... more since you came into my life. Oh, that, that warms my heart. I've always been up. very conservative. But you know, you, you you have opened my eyes to a lot of things over the years. So, well, I know it's not just me, just being a good friend, man. But thanks, that means a lot. Getting better through trades is not is not, not that simple or easy, is it? But uh, um, okay, so I gotta get props to one more team. Okay, so and there's a few, there's a few teams that deserve props, but. I want to say I'm very impressed with Isotopes. Now, this is going to come with a caveat here. Isotopes is a game below 500. So technically speaking, he's not having the best of season. But he um, had probably the worst looking appearance of hitting keepers on paper coming into the year. He was depleted of draft stock. He didn't have much to go for. And the players he and he had Bryce Harper, who was looking like he was going to be on the IL for three months, who came back early, by the way. He's leading his division a third of the way of the year. And I don't think any of us saw that coming. So I don't know if it's going to keep up. It could. It may not. But I'm going to give him proper props as due. When you play in a deep league, no matter your record, if you can be leading your division a third of the way into the year, you're doing pretty good. So mm-hmm. good job, Isotopes. Yeah, anybody else you want to share before we wrap this up? Um, 
I don't know. I mean, the league is so much has happened, right? Um, since we we started the season, so um, props to Pappy McPoyle for uh, changing your, wow. <laughs> for for rebranding your your team and uh, going into full rebuild mode. Thank you, thank you for hopefully giving me an inroad <laughs> to winning the division here. And um, let's make more trades. Let's, let's do this. So we're going to wrap this up. I'm going to be a little selfish here for you guys. Um, I want to point this out. This goes for anybody, not just our home league. So I, I'm, I'm, no, I, I'm not vouching for people to do this if you have good ratios. But I've had a, a really bad week with my ratios. But I'm doing okay in my other categories. So I'm throwing three starters out there. Not They're not starters who I just like picked up just to throw. There's starters who have picked up to have volume and to, to assess over a few starts to see how they do because I do think they have qualities to them that can make them a good pitcher down the stretch run. And these starters today are Luis Ortiz of the Pirates, Michael Grove for the Dodgers, and Brian Wu, a 23-year-old just recently promoted from AA. Now, the, the name that was... um. Losing me because it's so early in the morning. It was Bryce Miller. Gosh, have you seen Bryce Miller hitch? I have not. Oh, it's a trade. Now, look, he's going to get hit, and he got hit by the Yankees. But maybe the Mariners are on to something, promoting, aggressively promoting their prospect from double A. I'm throwing these three names out there because I want you guys, anybody out there listening, to watch them. I watched Ortiz's start, and okay. we talked about him a little bit a few days ago. And, uh, you know, like you said, assessing over a few starts, I think that's exactly what the Pirates are doing right now. Um, well, you, you know, know they, Velasquez just got hurt again. Right, so Ortiz, right. as long as he treads water, yeah. he may be in there for the yeah. stretch run. Yeah, Contreras, you know, Razni Contreras was uh, – Taken out of the rotation for a little while. He just made another star. So, I mean, is he back in now that uh, Vince Velasquez is, is uh, you know, set back? Maybe. Um, but, yeah, Ortiz. So now Ortiz, you know, has an opportunity. Um, I Like I told you, I, I liked what I saw. Um, he walked some guys, but he was making competitive pitches. They, they weren't that far off. He wasn't wild. And uh, I really like that, you know, and you, you talked about ratios, you know, um, I've been terrible. Mine have been terrible. I, I've, I was talking about people contributing in all these categories. Mine have been, my ratios have been terrible. So I haven't been able to uh, do any of that. You know, um, Julio Urias, you know, the guy, he's, his pitches, he is like, when he is not doing well, he's, what I've seen, his pitches are, catching just too much of the plate and so I'm okay with that. I can I can wait and 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 watch him kind of get into mid-season form, right? Get get back into shape, start making quality starts. Well, see starts. that's the thing. Wrap this up. You're you're bringing my point home. You got to have your anchors who you can give a little bit of leash to. Absolutely. But do you want to be able to watch these young guys cuz these are the guys that can contribute to the volume. And, I and these to are the do guys. This, Jason. I I it's really okay. am behind right now. I have I too. These are the guys that you want to be able to pick up off the waiver wire in April and May because if they turn into something, they were free. Um, this is I, why I'm buried in the standings. No, right it's now, okay. I'm getting, I'm getting You're value so right. vibes here. So here's the thing this isn't something I've always done. I'm trying this new this year, I'm trying really hard to do this. And I, I got to get props to a couple of owners in our league who have preached. Losing value through trades over the years. Trades are a big part of my game, but picking these guys up off the wire in April and May and watching them succeed is value. So to to wrap this show up, I know you want to say one thing, Jay. We'll, we'll let you go there. Watch the watch these young pitchers today. Two of them are probably going to flop, but you know what? One of them might succeed. It could be true for hitting, but especially for pitching as well. You're talking about picking up guys off the free agent market, right? And them becoming – I mean, 
they could become full on stars, right? And like there's been guys in the past where, you know, a few years ago, I picked up Carlos Rodon. He went undrafted. You know, the guy went undrafted. And, you know, his is because of injuries, really, that he never really. I mean, we got to see him pitch, and his stats were kind of middling. We always knew the strikeout potential was there. You know, and and now and then he became a full, you know full on star. Obviously, now he's dealing with injuries again. But my point is, there is so much value in the, in what you're saying. You've got to pick these guys up off the free agent market. And you know, just to go back to winning strategies, and and you know, I could bring that hierarchy back in, right? Of hitting, starting, pitching, relieving, just just sort of hitting over pitching. I mean, but Jake, famously, right, has kind of said he was able to win the league with a pitching staff that he put together basically at the last minute or through the free agent market. So, I mean, this is doable. Like, but if you don't have the hitting... You have... I don't know to, if you can okay. do that. All right, so. We're going to sign off like that. You, you have a good point. So, that you have to have the hitting. Right. But you agree the volume and pitching matters. Oh, absolutely. So, then... To go to the way I started the show off, if you are excelling in one side of the ball, whether it be hitting or pitching, you want to be average, maybe slightly above average, and the other side. So that that that's kind of our uh, our point today is is for deep league winning strategies. Try to excel in some areas. But just not be, just just be above average in other areas, and then continuously monitor the wire. Do you have any last minute advice before you sign off? We got to talk about winning strategies again a little bit on our next podcast. Absolutely, Jay. We there's will. a there's more to talk about here in terms of drafting, roster construction, and and uh, peaking. Over the course of the season, building, you know, um, your team being in flux over the course of the season. Absolutely. We will. Because we're going to do more of these on Saturday mornings. Absolutely. So for all of you out there listening, thank you so much. I'm Jason. I'm Jay. And these are the Fantasy Baseball Advocates signing off. Be well. Take care.